Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day oh, yeah. and that our voices are coming out nice and clear over your speakers or headphones. It's My name is Kyle Nelson. It is a great Friday. We're doing an episode on a Friday afternoon. Yep. Uh, this is Eli Libby, my co-host. How's it going, Mr. Libby? Doing great. It's Fun Shirt Friday. It's Fun Shirt Friday here in the office. Always a fun day. Super excited to be here. Although if you watch us on, on, on the YouTube, sure. you probably notice I wear this shirt a lot. But mm-hmm. uh, Fun Shirt Friday. Anyways, uh, today we have um, a really cool topic. We're going to yes. talk about selling your business and making more money. But uh, we are lucky enough to have a guest, uh, Mr. Marvin Storm. Um, he has a really interesting story. You know, a while back, he sold his business and thought he would sit back, take it easy, and enjoy life. But it didn't take long before he was extremely bored. This got him thinking about his last exit and realized that if he had been better prepared for his exit, exit he could have done a lot better for himself. So his entrepreneurial juices started to fuel a thought process that led him to start the Business Exit Stories podcast and wrote a book, Pack Your Parachutes, How to Double the Amount of Money nice. You Put in Your Pocket When You Sell Your Business, and developed a process to maximize the enterprise value of a business prior to exit. So Mr. Marvin Storm, welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, I, I was noticing your shirt. It looks like the universe and all the stars out there, you know? So I, I guess this is pretty it. expansive. Yeah. This is true. The cosmos, it's actually flowers, but I do like that because it does actually kind of look like universes and planets. I never see, thought about that. Marvin, we see the same kind of thing. You, you see planets, I see popcorn, he sees flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's all behind all the right? Exactly. It's all yeah. a matter of perspective, you know? It's true. Yep. Whatever you want it to be, Kyle. <laughs> well it's great to have you here marvin super excited um we have a great great topic like kyle mentioned um as we kick things off we'd love to hear more about your background kind of how you've got to be where you are today and we'll then we'll dive into the topic all right well great i um uh, one thing and you mentioned that uh, i you know few years ago, stepped away from uh, a business. And uh, really, every entrepreneur's dream or, you know, most people's dream is to figure out how to kind of take your foot off the gas. Uh, you spend so many years and decades in the fast lane with the pedal to the metal. And all yep. of a sudden, you're in a slow lane and or even pulled over to the side of the road. And uh, very quickly, it's not as exciting as being in that uh, yeah. fast lane and zipping down the road. So and that's kind of what happened to me. Um, uh, and I got to thinking about, uh, you know, the experiences that I had in my career and uh, especially that last exit I was involved in. I, uh, if I had been a little bit more dialed in to the process. Uh, it was a different kind of scale of exit than I had before. I had a couple yep. of smaller ones before. Uh, but this one was uh, totally unfamiliar. It involved private equity and the boards of directors and oh, wow. outside advisors and, you know, just just something I hadn't done before. And, right. you know, I, I, you know, you know, as an entrepreneur and a lot of your audience out there probably are people that, you know, captain their own ship and run their own business. Sure. Uh, you, you know, you just uh, enjoy that process, and but yeah. you become really good at what you do because you do it every day and you keep honing and refining those skills. And But when it comes to stepping away or selling your business, uh, you don't get to the chance to do that very often. And because right. of that, you just don't develop the expertise, the, the know-how and understand the process. And uh, that was kind of the situation that I found myself in. And and I do like most entrepreneurs do. I just tried to figure it out as I went. And yeah. uh, and I 
you know, got to thinking about that after I stepped away from the business and thought, you know, there's probably a lot of other entrepreneurs and business owners out there that are, if not, have gone through that process, will at some point in time go through that process. And, you know, if they were a little bit more dialed in, they could probably save themselves some grief and make them a little bit more money when they step away from the plate. And so I started this Business Success Stories podcast. I love podcasting. I listen to them all the time. And uh, I just, you know, decided that uh, it would be uh, a fun, you know, topic. And so instead of interviewing actual entrepreneurs that sell their businesses, and there's a number of podcasts out there that do that, uh, I thought I would, you know, chat with the deal makers, the M&A specialists, the business brokers, attorneys, wealth managers, you know, those folks that uh, have these stories to tell. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. What a cool journey. It, well, it's awesome journey and just an awesome resource, right? Just mm-hmm. like getting real insight of, you know, people that are actually doing these things every single day and things that you may not realize as an entrepreneur. Exactly. It's a whole different. It's like a whole different side of it. Mm-hmm. If you can better. Yeah, if, I, if I if I'd have had a podcast like this, right. you know, mm-hmm. before I exited my business and could listen to the stories that yeah, uh, and how how people you know, drop the baton on the last lap and, nice. and also stories that were, they got 10 X what they thought they were getting. I would have uh, been a little smarter when it came time for me. Yeah. And so, so, so um, I know we have this topic of, you know, how entrepreneurs can dramatically increase the money they put in their pocket when they sell, but what were some of the things that you found, you know, that you should have maybe not have done or maybe things you, you wish you would have known or like those key things that you kind of always think about like, man, if I would have just known. Yeah. Well, there's a couple we could, this is a topic we could spend hours talking about, but there's, <laughs> there's a couple of three things that, uh, you know, for me in particular, um, I, I had built a management team. Uh, I just didn't realize how critical and how important the management team really was to a buyer because that's in essence what they're buying. Uh, They take a very close look at the team, especially if you're not, the entrepreneur is not going to be around. uh, And uh, they may be around for a transition period, but if they step away and somebody else is going to step into those shoes, they're going to look very hard at the quality, the right. experience, uh, the uh, how those people have their handcuffs tied to the business, you know, what type of uh, employment contracts are in place. Uh, they're, they're going to look at a lot of that stuff a lot harder than I ever imagined that they would. I knew it was important, but I didn't understand the, 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 the critical nature of that. Right. Uh, and, if, and if I would have had a uh, a little bit more thought given to that, uh, it would have probably enhanced the value of my business a little bit more. So that that's one of the things right. that, uh, you know, I think uh, you take a look at for any anybody out there that has a business. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, cool. We hear that a lot, you know, yeah, when you're selling your it's business. Say that. It's like either mm-hmm. you're the business owner that's selling it or you're the business owner manager that's selling it. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's a whole different playing field when we're talking that way. That's funny. We do hear mm-hmm. that heard a lot especially recently mm-hmm. like a, yeah we've had a couple of cool shows and a couple of cool topics on yeah. that wow well you know you know as, as it relates to exits yeah uh you have to put yourself in the buyer's chair and take right. a look at how they view your business and that's something mm-hmm. else that i i didn't really do okay uh, i, I, I heard it talked about answer that yeah i heard it 
you know, but I, I, you kind of view the business how, as they're going to look at the business, not how you want them to look at the business. Right. Exactly. It's not all, it's not all numbers. It's right. not all numbers. Not by, all numbers. Any stretch of the measure. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people, you know. That's, yeah. So what are, what are things that they're looking for when they're looking at your business? What are things that you've seen in your experience that they're looking for? Again, not just the numbers. Um, we'll take, well, this is somewhat related to numbers, but the type of revenue that you, okay. that you generate, um, revenue comes in many different colors, uh, for sort of say, you know, is that a lot of companies are, uh, take a moving company, for example. Uh, I, an example I use all the time because people move on an average in this country every seven years or so. And so uh, the, uh, you have a cost of acquisition to find a customer that's going to be moving and then you move them and you may never see them again. And so it's very dependent on a one and done type of revenue model right. that uh, you have to be able to fill that pipeline with uh, customers on a regular basis. And and there's a, you know, a finite number of those customers, depending on your competitive environment. Right. But if you can generate a different type of revenue, a reoccurring revenue, uh, something, whether it's long-term contracts, whether it's subscription-like revenue, uh, enrollment type of revenue that you have, that uh, people sign up for a program, a maintenance contract, perhaps, right. uh, you know, in the heating and air conditioning, you know, HAVAC, uh, uh, market. Uh, a lot of companies have migrated toward an annual maintenance contract where right. uh, you you become a preferred customer and you get called on when the heat wave hits or the cold yeah. wave hits. You're at the top of the line. And especially for commercial customers, that's really critical. And, you know, if that type of revenue that you have the stickiness to that type of revenue right. and customers renew year after year yep. and you're not having to find new customers all the time. That has a different flavor to a company acquiring you, and they are likely to pay a lot more to acquire that type of revenue than yeah. just the one and done type of revenue. Absolutely. Great point. I think it's something that a lot of people don't think about big numbers, but it could yeah. be the bucket could be leaking at the bottom versus that retention right. retainer. It's really cool. A lot of people just think transactions, right? More money, more money. Like, mm -hmm. no matter how I get it, I just need to keep my business operable and make more money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Aside from aside from revenue, what are some things that uh, that you've seen that that uh, buyers are looking for, like leadership teams, team size? What 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 are they looking for? And well, definitely the quality of the team. Absolutely, quality of the team, the depth of the team. Yep. Uh, if you have too much concentration of management into one person, that person uh, is the person that makes the tr train run on time. Uh, and if there's only that one person in the company, uh, all that does for a buyer is translate into risk. You know, if something, if a, a person gets hit by a bus and mm -hmm. isn't around the next day after they buy the business, what does that mean? And so they will hedge their bet. Uh, they will... Uh, you know, have a contingency in the purchase agreement that kind of offsets that risk. Another thing is, you know, and it seems kind of trite or redundant sometimes because we hear a lot about culture, uh, but culture is something that really does make a difference uh, in yeah. a, a company's valuation. In fact, you could look at data and statistics that show you that companies with a strong 
customer-centric customer or employee-centric customer, right. you know, within the company, uh, have a higher multiple at the time they sell because that generally a strong culture translates into more profitability down the road yeah. because you have right. less turnover of customers, you have less mm -hmm. turnover of employees, uh, you just have more stickiness to the whole revenue model. And so they will take a look at that. Um, and it's something that's an intangible, but they do look at it. So if a company and a lot of companies that are out in the acquisition market, they are looking at multiple companies. And so just it's just common sense. If they're looking at company A and company B and they have the same revenue model, they have the same you know, revenue level. Yep. Roughly the same profitability, but one has a much stronger uh, cultural component to it. Right. That you just feel it when you walk into the place when they do their due diligence. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out which one they're going to gravitate toward right. uh, and uh, be willing to write a maybe a little bit bigger check to acquire that company because of that co right. intangible component. It's interesting. That is yeah. interesting. I, we, we are, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You, you have something. I, you know, you had mentioned earlier about they look at the employee contracts. What is mm. it that, what is it that they might be looking at specifically? Well, they will be looking at, you know, the non-competes, you know, how long right. that is, uh, how long the employees have been there. Uh, mm. On my podcast, there's a favorite story I just love to tell it uh, and repeat is because uh, there's an entrepreneur, you know, and you know, entrepreneurs have a specific type of profile. They're usually that can-do right. type of personality. They kind of pride themselves of being able to walk through walls and right. get the job done and yep. overcome insurmountable obstacles. And they yep. just have this ego that sometimes gets in the way. And especially when you're getting ready to step away from the company, Sometimes egos get into the way of common sense. And so in this particular situation, there was a key man, uh, the kind of the general manager that made the trains run on time. And the entrepreneur had done a good job in building the team. And, and he had a great company. And it was deal-making time. And the acquiring company was going through the checklist. And they came to you know employment contracts. And employment right. contracts, the, the, the entrepreneur thought that you know, he had one, he probably did at some point in time, but they couldn't find it. They looked, uh, they went through all the files and everything. And now the closing is a few days away. And uh, the M&A advisor involved in the deal said, what you need to do is give this, your employee, uh, you know, a retention signing bonus that if he signs the new employment contract, you'll give him $125,000 as a signing bonus. You just write him a check and uh, as appreciation for all his hard work and everything. And the guy became unglued. He just said, I paid this guy money more than he's worth. And I pay him bonuses. And he has a company car and he gets you know, six weeks vacation. And I'm not going to pay him just to sign an employment contract. And the M&A advisor just cringed and said, you know, this is probably isn't going to end well. Right. Well, it didn't because it didn't take long for that employee to figure out that the business was not going to get sold unless he signed that employment yep. contract. Oh. And so, so much for loyalty and everything. And there was probably some resentment built up there, but uh, he got himself an attorney. And uh, oh. before the deal would close, that entrepreneur had to write that employee a $500,000 check to close oh. the deal. 
That must have stuck. And, uh, <laughs> so are employment contracts important? Yeah, because they weren't going to buy that company if that guy wasn't going to be around because he had options. He yep. could go to work for a competitor. Right. You know, and so they wanted to lock him in and they were certainly going to pay for the faux pas of the right. seller. Yeah. Uh, they just said, you know, wow. you take it out at closing. You know, it's not our problem. And so right. th that was an expensive ego mm -hmm. thing for that for that employee, that employer. Right. So, wow, what a cool so, story. so that's just one of the examples. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I was, I was make sense. you know, luckily we have those contracts mm -hmm. in place i was just wondering what the specifics were you shared that perfectly yeah i think it's cool though like the the in-depth look uh when selling a company and oh, what yeah. to look at i mean it's not just revenue which like when you open an are. engine up look yeah. the car might look beautiful on the outside but you exactly. open that engine up and it might look like crap <laughs> rusty dusty yeah not working on all cylinders nope nope, nope not at all <laughs> nope not at all well, um, well, you know, if, if, if you use the car metaphor, you know, today everything is computerized. So you yeah. go to a dealership or your mechanic and they hook up a computer, you know, and yep. diagnose uh, all the components and chips and systems of your car. And uh, you get a printout, you get a report of what's working exactly. and what isn't working. And let yep. me tell you, uh, depending on the size of your business, what's small or large, uh, that buyer and his advisors are going to come in and they're going to plug in their diagnostic exactly. due diligence checklist yep. and they're going to go through and figure out what's working and what isn't. And when they find too many what isn't workings, uh, all that does is translate into risk and risk depresses value value, and or change a dramatic change in what the terms are going to be for that acquisition. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Yep. Quick I question. Mean, you talk about okay. a checklist when they're mm. doing their due diligence. Is that checklist is that? something that uh, is a tangible checklist that is uh, easy to find out there? Or is it kind of just through experience and hearing? Or is this a, you know? Well, every, uh, you know, depending on who the buyer is, if it's, right. uh, you know, an owner operator buyer that's coming in, that's going to step in the shoes of the entrepreneur and kind of take over the day to day mm -hmm. operations and, be what the entrepreneur was to that business. They probably don't have a super uh, detailed checklist of yeah. due diligence. You know, if they have a business broker they're working with or an M&A advisor they're working with, uh, they'll have a, you know, they will try to prepare a, a, a you know, all the information that a buyer <laughs> is going to want to see. But you get a, um, a, a company that is in the business of generating growth through a acquiring yeah. companies mm -hmm. uh, and they do this on a regular basis that checklist is like a colonoscopy mm -hmm. uh, they, they they stick your their hand right up your uh, <laughs> rear end and they are looking yeah. for anything uh, in there and wow entrepreneurs again having this this uh, ego yeah. they get they get turned off by that they they right. they get insulted by why do you need to know all this stuff? And, uh, you know, this, is, this isn't important. Well, there's yeah. a reason for every item on the checklist. Uh, they want to isolate their liabilities. They want to make sure they're not buying problems. Uh, and they will they will run you through the ringer. In my particular case, I mean, it just drove me bananas, nuts. I, yeah. I mean, they were there for weeks and, uh, uh, you know, going through every file and every customer wow. and the questions and talking to every employee. And it was, it was, it was nuts. That's wow. crazy. Whew. 
Well, we've talked a kind of little bit about um, what a buyer is looking for, but what can an entrepreneur do to dramatically increase the money in their pocket when they sell? Mm. Um, uh, well, probably the, again, uh, common sense uh, is that you really have to plan. And I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs, you know, business owners that, uh, you know, sell their business and then their CPA tells them, well, gee, you, you had a big home run here, a big payday. Uh, here's the taxes you owe, yeah. uh, your capital gains taxes and your recapture. You know, you had a lot of property in your in the company and you depreciated that property and there's all this ordinary income recapture right. and, yep. and they add up the total tax bill and you thought you were getting, I'll just pick a number. You thought you were getting a million dollars, but after all the taxes and everything, you're only going to get $550,000. Yeah. That's, and you got to write that check. And that is painful mm. uh, to be, have to write that check with, with some planning by, you know, getting good advisors around you. Mm-hmm. I love football and we're in football season. We're in week yep. seven here of the NFL. Yeah. And uh, you know, every, every week the coaching staff has a process they go through, right. you know, after the game day, Monday, they have a certain set of procedures and, and things that they do on Monday, then Tuesday, then Wednesday, and right up to the night before the game. They have this whole choreographed process that they follow to be able to create the optimal emotional and preparatory you know, mm. game plan for that specific day and right. that specific team. An exit is really no different. Uh, you need to surround yourself with your coaching staff. If you're using mm-hmm. that metaphor, yeah, yeah. And you oh, need yeah. your attorney. You need your M and A advisor. You need your tax advisor. You need all your estate advisor, your wealth planner. You need these people uh, before game day. Yeah. You know, you need to prepare for game day, and game day is when you close yeah. and sell the business. Yep. All that stuff should have been choreographed in advance, so you can literally, literally double the amount of money that goes into your pocket. Because you've increased the value of your business, mm-hmm. you minimize the tax bite that's going to be paid. Uh, mm-hmm. You create, you know, different pockets for that those proceeds to go in to spread to spread that out for estate and wealth mm-hmm. planning. You can do a lot of that stuff, and you should do a lot of that stuff in advance. Uh, but right. most people, uh, being entrepreneurs, they're the shoot from the hip type of people, and they're, they're, mm-hmm. they just love the figuring things out and they mm-hmm. think that they've always been able to figure things out in their business yeah, and yeah. when it comes time comes time to sell their business they're going to figure it out mm-hmm. unfortunately the data doesn't support that yeah it's great advice a lot of times we have like like brokers on our show or mm-hmm. like people that help exit with companies yeah. and a lot of times they're talking like it's a two-year plan a lot of times like if you want to decide that you want to sell yeah. Don't think it's tomorrow. If you yep. want to do this right, it's going to take you one to two years to really figure out everything, get it all in place. Mm-hmm. We've had a conversation quite a bit. We have a really good point. Yeah, well, two years is, would be, a, in my opinion, a minimum. Mm. Wow. I believe it. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of so, so, so many exits are, are, are triggered by events beyond your control. Right. You know, mm-hmm. your doctor gives you a bad diagnosis. You have a right. blow up with your partner. You right. know, a competitor right. enters the the market, you know, all these things. And you say, well, I think I want to sell. Generally by that time it's too late. Right. Wow. To maximize the value anyway. Right. Hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. It's, it's kind of weird to think about though. 
yeah, looking at that far down, trying to sell a business. That's yeah. just thinking about an exit Yeah, I mean, an exit plan, but when to like push the Pull go the button yeah. on the exit plan is kind of kind of interesting. Well, one thing that your audience might think about, I often get asked the question, uh, why in the heck am I thinking about selling my business when I'm buried trying to grow it? I mean, I don't have time to yeah. worry about selling my business. I mean, who has time to do that? Yeah. And it's not so much the time that it takes, uh, although there is a component of time. Uh, it's more of a mindset. It's more of sure. a frame of mind and how you think about the decisions you make. Hmm. I mentioned the employment contract. You know, that's just yeah. a thought process. That's just thinking about that when you, a few years before you're going to sell, when you're negotiating that contract, you just think about how is this going to play when I sell mm -hmm. my business or you're signing a new lease or you're buying equipment or, right. you know, you're negotiating a loan. Is that loan right. assignable? You know, all of these things that have such a tremendous impact on how smooth that transaction is going to go. So it's not so much the time that it takes yeah. as far as planning, but it's more of a mindset of how you approach your business when you, when you make that decision that uh, at some point in time, you're going to uh, step away from your business and you want to be prepared, then it becomes more of a thought process. I suppose if your mindset is wrapped around like, this is what my business needs to look like when I'm exiting and selling, you start putting those things into place, I would imagine you have a lot more efficient business. Yeah. Something that's running a lot more well-greased and a lot mm -hmm. more, you know, fine-tuned process and systems are in place. You know somebody's going to be looking at you it. You know someone's going to be looking at yeah. it, so might as well fix those things now. Yep. And then it's going to help increase over time the, the value. Totally. Right? That I think that's sense. a great point. It's a phenomenal point. Well, it is a great point. And I've heard more than more than a handful of uh, you know business owners say yeah. that, you know, I should have started this process a decade mm -hmm. ago because my business <laughs> is in such better shape now yeah. that I've been getting it ready to sell. If I'd have done this 10 years ago, geez, I could have done so much more. I'd be three times the size yep. I am now. Right. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. The mindset is over everything. Awesome. Well, as we wrap things up, Marvin, um, we always like to ask, you know, if there's one thing our audience you're hoping it takes away from you, what is that? I think the, the, the key takeaway for me and uh, anyone that's thinking of selling the business is put yourself in the chair of the buyer. Just yeah. ask yourself, if I were buying my own business, would I write a check for what I want to be asking for it? Right. And uh, if, if yeah. you can say right. with confidence, yeah, I would pay this, right. you know, because you have everything lined up and every, all the boxes are checked and there's very little questions and, you know, every, the company is running on all cylinders like you talked about, I would right. pay that. Then you're in good shape. But a lot of times I ask, you know, someone that owns a business that and they kind of shuffle their feet or look down at the desk and say, you know, geez. <laughs> no, I don't think I would pay that because what every entrepreneur wants more for their business yeah. than it's probably oh, yeah. worth. Yeah. And uh, an actual, if you do the right things, you can get more for your business than it's Absolutely. worth if you do the right things. That was cool. I agree. But think, but think like a buyer and then yeah, you're in good shape. Buyer.
Um, it's great advice. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. It, it is. So if people want to follow you, follow your journey or your message or want to connect with you and your podcast, mm-hmm. where would they do that? Oh, you can find my podcast on, you know, wherever you get your podcast, it's business exit stories. Cool. Um, cool. And uh, I have a free report. If, you know, folks want to, you know, look a little bit about, uh, think that thought process we've talked about, just go to businessexitstories.com website forward slash report two, okay. two for double we'll your business so report yeah. two. And, uh, that'll be an interesting read just to get you in that mindset. Cool. Amazing. Awesome, Marvin. Well, thank you so much for your great yes. insight. We highly recommend everyone listen to his podcast out there. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to, it's a new podcast I'm subscribed to. I'm super curious. So Marvin, thank 100%. you so much for being on our podcast. All right. Well, this has been great. You, uh, you make it fun. Good. Right. Awesome. Have a good one. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Biz Bros podcast. Yes. Just like Marvin said, I will. in our podcast, Biz Bros on any marketplace where you listen and we will talk to you on the next biz bros podcast